Welcome to We Shadows, the podcast about design and technical theater in the Twin Cities. I'm your announcer, Anita Kelling. In this episode, Rachel Lanto sat down with Guthrie Production Stage Manager, Tree O'Halloran. Together, they discuss all things stage management and what it's like to come back after being out of the industry for 10 years. This conversation took place on January 11th, 2021. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, would you just introduce yourself briefly with um, your, like, what else do you, what do you, what is your title? What do you do in theater or in performing arts? Uh, sure. Uh, my name is Trio Halloran. I am a, uh, consider myself a career stage manager uh, and on a little hiatus right now. Um, but I have been a stage manager for, uh, an equity stage manager for 30 uh six years uh so yeah that's a career stage manager heck yeah it is <laughs> lovely um would you just explain for us for anyone who hasn't been in theater before um what exactly does a stage manager do uh, sure um uh, the stage manager is uh kind of a a broad title and i guess depends on um the the, the job description can uh, enlarge and contract depending on the scale of the project in the theater but basically uh, we're the person who is the uh, facilitator for uh, what's happening on the stage with the performers, uh, the director to uh, the creative team, the producing team uh, at large. Uh, we are the first point of contact between the production itself and the front of house, uh, the crew, the um, behind the scenes, and we are one of the few roles that continues with the piece from the first day of rehearsal all the way through the end of a run. Lovely. Um, so I would love to hear, Tree, um, just your story and how you got into theater. Why did you choose this field? Where Where did you come from? Tell us. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's a boring story. Um, you know, I'm like so many different uh stage managers where I certainly started off in uh, as a young person uh, through grade school and high school acting uh, both in school and community theater and I loved the theater. I grew up on um, Long Island, New York, so I grew up going, getting on their train and going into New York City and seeing shows in New York. Um, but when it was time to go to school, to go to college, I kind of knew I didn't want to be an actor, uh, but I did have a theater scholarship, and I chose to go to the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Um, and one of the reasons, things that drew me to it, is it has a resident professional theater company attached to the Playmakers Rep, which is attached to the theater. So uh, when I got there, I took the basic intro drama classes and uh, convinced I was going to be a journalism major, but I thought I would take these classes. And the, one of the... Um, first people who came in to speak to our class was the equity stage manager for the theater and came in and said, my job is about communication. And that uh, immediately appealed to me. And uh, we were then required to crew the shows. And um, I uh, worked with the, the, the stage manager, the equity stage manager, and decided this is what I love to do. Uh, nobody else was interested in stage management. It was a back in the Stone Ages, and uh, there were no programs. This is before there was any graduate programs even in stage management. And um, 
what since so, so few of us were interested, what I was able to do is uh, stage manage the department shows and basically be the ASM for three years for Playmakers Repertory Company. Um, I did uh, one internship at Williamstown Theater Festival between before senior year, and when I came back, they needed an additional stage manager, so I actually got my card senior year um, and graduated college with my equity card. Um, and I tell young stage managers now, it was about uh, hard work and luck, uh, being in the right place at the right time. Also, as I left the theater, the artistic director, who I'd become uh, very close with and had stage managed most of his shows, also left and went to New England to uh, run a theater there, and I was able to just transfer with him. Uh, but I also left uh, without any technical skills, because if you were willing to stage manage, you didn't have to go to class for your shop class. Oh. So I'm one of the few stage managers who um, can't focus a light and couldn't change a lamp. And so I don't encourage that, but uh, it, that was the drawback to coming out of school with your union card and then continue to work in regional theater. So that's my uh, creation story of Tree the Stage Manager. <laughs> Where did you, how did you end up in the Twin Cities then? Right. So uh, I continued work in New England, um, back at Williamstown Theater Festival, Hartford Stage, Stage West, and uh, uh, met a man who came out here. And uh, I said I wouldn't move here until I had a job. And so about four months afterward, I uh, got a job at the old, now defunct, um, uh, Actors Theater of St. Paul, which is the theater that started the Park Square theater space, that, that created the theater space before Park Square, and mm. came out and had to then renegotiate all my contacts were on the East Coast and suddenly kind of negotiate a new um, network here, create a new network here in the Midwest. Uh, so it took a little, a little bit of time. And what living here allowed me to do was at a time when people would still bring stage managers in, uh, travel back and forth to the East Coast, down to Texas. I did a lot of work uh, down at the alley in Houston. Um, and then here in tw Twin Cities kind of enlarged my network, started at the Actors Theater of St. Paul, uh, the Illusion Theater, uh, then eventually at the Guthrie um, Children's Theater. Said, uh, and um, and so kind of became, and slowly became, got a home here. But uh, the big left turn I took in my journey was I uh, decided to have children and uh, with no plan about how I would do that uh, and work uh, and after my second child was born I ended up taking 10 years off wow. well a total of 10 years off eight years off yeah. uh, and left the field um, I was, of course, I did a few very small things where I would take over something for somebody to fill in, uh, but I was like the talent show lady at school. So that's really sure. kept my, that's what sharpened my skills was that mm -hmm. talent show lady. <laughs> uh, and then after 10 years away, I sort of like thought I, my kids were back in school. Uh, what was, what, I didn't think I could ever come back to theater. And I thought, what else am I willing to leave my house for? Am I willing to retrain? Am I willing to, what am I willing to do? And I realized theater was the only thing I was interested in doing. Uh, so I came back very slowly because I could sort of do project, take projects that fit around my schedule, my home schedule. I came back and worked with The Illusion, um, The Jungle, some smaller theaters too that could just, could had shorter rehearsal hours, uh, shorter rehearsal span. Um, and slowly got back into it and within a few years found myself back at the Guthrie and then was the production stage manager there up until 
COVID hit. Right. So what, what year was that when you went back to the Guthrie? Uh, I went back to the Guthrie just to stage manage in 2010, maybe, I think it is. And then kind of full-time there, 2013. Okay. Uh, and it was sort of interesting to come back. Um, I was gone from basically 97 to 2007, which is exactly when technology made a huge leap forward in the rehearsal room. Uh, and, um, and I came back being the only middle-aged stage manager I know who was like delighted like a kid to be in the rehearsal room again and, and not burnt out and not, um, you know, so it was a really kind of interesting journey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what kinds of, um, building your network and, and gaining the work you wanted, how did that all play into, um, getting the work you wanted? Yeah. Yeah, you know, again, it's sort of like uh, hard work and uh, right place at the right time. Right. Um, it's it's pretty funny. I was at a barbecue and I sort of put out to the universe, you know, I, I should really go back to work. And it was somebody hearing that who mentioned to somebody else that, hey, I think Tree's looking for work. And that somebody who had been a follow spot operator at the Guthrie, as, at the Children's Theater and filling in, I didn't even know them, was now the stage manager at the Jungle heard that I was available and remembered hearing me on headset and contacted me and asked me if I wanted a stage manager show at the jungle. Yeah. So, um, and then it was very funny because the people I knew, I mean, I still had the connections to those theaters. I was still friends with people. So it was really just putting my name back out saying, I'm really interested in coming back. Um, I flew to Hartford stage and did a show at Hartford uh, because an old friend of mine has suddenly become the artistic director at Hartford stage over the years. Um, so it really came back, but then there were times when I remember being asked, uh, to give a resume at Park Square and I sent a resume. Well, I hadn't done a resume in literally 15 years and I'd quickly put in shows and I sent it to someone who was probably 20 years younger than I was. And they were like, I don't know any of these shows (laughs) that have been undone (laughs) here in the cities. And I'm like, oh, oh, right. That means nothing to you. Except I've worked with every one of your directors multiple times mm-hmm. at your theater. So uh, it was very funny. It was very funny going being growing up as a, one of the younger people in the room and suddenly being, oh, oh, yeah. Not so much <laughs> Did you find that, um, I know that not everybody goes equity right away when they, uh, you know, straight out of college, straight out of whatever. Did you find that that was helpful to you or did you find that that was you know, created some struggle or, um, what was that like? Yeah, that's interesting because I remember, uh, I'd said that I, the reason I mentioned this is I'd went, gone to Williamstown and did an internship there, uh, the summer before senior year and, uh, worked with several equity stage managers there. And I remember when, uh, I was offered my card, I called up one of them who was, um, a veteran Broadway stage manager. And I said, Franklin, you know, what do you think? And he said, do you know two theaters right now that would hire you. He said, and Williamstown would hire you. I said, well, yes, playmakers will hire me. And he says, then if you know two theaters that will hire you, go ahead and get your card. Mm -hmm. And I lucked out. I mean, it was, it was great advice. I, I supported myself. I mean, I didn't do anything besides stage manage, uh, from then on. Yeah. Uh, I was very lucky. And I will say, because I went to a theater that I had went to a college and basically had been working in an equity theater for three years, I'd already been networking. Because those people would come do a show, you know, designers, 
uh, et cetera. So I, I knew that I had already been networking for three years, even though it was not intentional. Um, So I think for me, it was definitely the right thing, but it was also access to an equity theater. um, And because I was a student, I, I was basically doing my internship, but I was a student uh, and going to school and so I, that's what I would say. I think that I think I see so many people in this dilemma of our training programs in schools are getting so advanced, mm-hmm. but it doesn't let you connect. It doesn't give you the networking ability. Mm-hmm. So when you come out with these skills, um, you can either start stage managing as a non-equity stage manager or maybe smaller theaters, but it's really hard to figure out how to get training in a large institution. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always say if there's some way you can, and hopefully theaters are moving more toward paid internships or in some ways supplemented internships, uh, to, to even do that one um, experience in a large theater where you can see what communication happens on that scale, um, then you can bring that knowledge with you wherever you, smaller theater, larger. It's hard to sort of, to just come in, if you've got 10 years experience, but they're all at very small theaters, it's very hard to walk into a large institution. Uh, or you will have to be really willing to sort of be the second ASM or the, you know. Yeah, I think the regional theaters tend to have um, a lot of those processes and uh, those things just like figured out and this is how it goes and this is how we do it and communication is very clean. And then trying to work your way from the bot from something that doesn't have that support is much more difficult than having that already in place to inform your next experiences. Yeah. Very difficult. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, I keep trying to find out as someone who hires stage managers how to break that, how to give someone an opportunity who doesn't have that um, coming in, what and use a lot more support to come into a large organization. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting that you talk about how, you know, you were networking in school right away. Um, and, you know, a lot of programs don't necessarily have that opportunity, but it seems like that's really... Like if you were to give advice to somebody who, you know, is interested in the field or even to Tree's younger self, it seems like that's a really big bit of it is just like start networking now. When you're in college, pick a college where you can have those connections, that kind of thing. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think it's hard, you know, I um, at this point in my life when I really look at, uh, I was, I had the privilege of doing a summer internship where I was not paid. Mm. Um, and the kind of connections I made there as well. I also had the privilege of going to a school where I didn't have to work a job. Um, so I was able to, working my job was basically, you know, working the theater. I want to make sure all my classes were done by noon so I could be at rehearsals. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and that gave me the opportunity to do that kind of networking. Yeah, absolutely. Um I know that networking sometimes, especially as a younger person, I would say networking can kind of come with this weird connotation of like, is this like sleazy? Am I like selling myself to people that I don't really necessarily want to work for? Um, And I I don't think that that's necessarily true, but I'm just curious if you have anything to share about what kind, what, what do you look for when you're networking? Um, Well, it's so funny because I think that that's an evolution of the word because to me, networking was just that I was literally working with these people. And as a young person, I'm like, tell me what your career is. Tell me what you did. Tell me. So that networking was really about a curiosity about what people in the business did um, mm-hmm. more than a 
which I think is the approach we should all have about it. It's really not about, hey, you should hire me because I'm, you know, it's really about seeking out information from people and, and you'll either trigger something with that person or something click with that person to remember your name, which is just the benefit of being a curious human being and wanting to know everything there is to know about working in the field. Yeah. I don't think I, I'm terrible at that idea of networking. And I, I laugh about that <laughs> because uh, there were people I'd work with who did, you know, who were, who were like film people or this and that. Well, you could call them and find that in a million years. Could I ever like do that? Yeah. Uh, it, I was terrible at that. I'm really not good at networking in that way. I'm good at networking in the sense that if you're here, I'm going to engage with you and meet you and talk to you about the, the work. So, yeah. So I guess I have a different connotation of networking. That's a very, I love that though. That's a very natural way of, you know, just getting to know people, you know, just work with them. <laughs> um, do you, yeah. I'm curious, um, what, what, like, what goals do you still have for your career? You know, it sort of seems like, to the theater community in the Twin Cities, sometimes the Guthrie sort of seems like, oh, I've reached the top and now it's over and I'm going to stay here for the rest of my life. But I can't imagine that that's necessarily true. Um, so I'm just curious, like, what goals do you still have for your career? Um, well, this is really interesting. I worked at the Guthrie in the early 90s and I left uh, because there was a seniority with stage managers and I was mm. the, the, the newest stage manager and you had to wait for someone to leave. Uh, and I left for better opportunities and for some more exciting work. Um, and here's where I've made the change recently. In my entire career, I've always felt that I um, I was chasing the room. I was chasing the room and I wanted to be in, the artists I wanted to see. I, I, I wanted to, um, I've had the opportunity to do a lot of uh, kind of weird and strange things. Um, I've done a, a, a Giorgio Armani fashion show in outside in Florence. And mm. I, I've done a, a workshop on a mountain in Sicily. Mm. And I've done this. And I was chasing being with these artists um, that, uh, and that I, I, and working at a level that was really challenging. Yeah. Um, I've never committed to a theater, really. I mean, they'd hire me for several seasons or, you know, whatever. And, and that was great. Um, but I'd still always come in not entangled in the politics of the theater. So you really come in like, you know, hey, this is great. Or I'd be spent a few through, you know, I was a children's theater for four years. I was whatever. Um, the first time I've ever committed to a theater, I was in my 50s and I committed to be the production stage manager at the Guthrie. Right. So for the first time in my life, I changed my commitment from the room and the work to the organization. Mm. Um, so I think uh, the challenges that have been for me in the past five years was shifting over to under to be a, a mentor in the way of hiring, not just a mentor the way I would be as stage manager to stage manager you know, working that, but in a way where I actually have some agency to hire, to, in, to, to, to train, to come up with training, et cetera. Um, and to try and create uh, an environment for the stage manager that, that, that honors the stage manager's work. So that's where I've been challenging myself recently in committing to an organization mm -hmm. and not just the stage management of a room. Yeah. Um would you say then that the commitment that you made to, you know, being a production stage manager at a large organization was largely driven by that passion to be able to change things a little bit? What was the motivating factor? 
Um, and that's really interesting because, yes, I think that uh, I also wonder if I hadn't been, if I hadn't taken that 10-year gap, if I'd been, if I would have gotten here earlier, you know. Um, but I think that uh, after a while, being in the room and calling the, the most complicated show and um, is not, it doesn't, it's not as satisfying anymore. And it's not what I'm searching for. I don't need to be doing the biggest show. I don't need to do the complicated call. I don't need to, um, it's just not. And, and when I realized I didn't have that spark about it anymore, mm. it, then it makes you say, well, what is it you really loved to do? And, um, and I, I think as we're seeing a shift in the American theater, this is also about where the American, the, the journey of the American theater in my lifetime, I would say when I started out the, um, every American theater cover was about these auteur, usually white men, uh, mm -hmm. artists, European artists, you know, and, and I did my thing where I wanted to work with, you know, Robert Wilson. I wanted to work with, you know, Joanne Acolytus. I wanted to work, I wanted to work with these kind of auteurs and be in the room and et cetera. Um, as the American theater has shifted, one for financial reasons, uh, we built these big buildings and there's mm -hmm. not federal money for this anymore. And suddenly the money has to come from the community. So now we're looking at work of the community and really if you look at american theater now it's really about work that's being created among the, the communities that we live in it's not mm -hmm. just one um auteur's kind of vision that is a kind of stark beautiful comment on but we're really looking at stories and stories that come from um the people so i think that that my journey took that same i've kind of taken that same arc uh and this idea that uh theater can be a kinder, gentler place, that theater can be a place where we can have families and be in the theater. I was the only married stage manager I knew for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, the only stage managers I knew who had children were like single women who had to keep working and had children. So um, as I've made that journey, I wanted to see the theater shift so that we can uh, have real lives and real families and do the work we love to do. So, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Uh, I've been watching this show Chef's Table on Netflix, which I just love. But, um, you know, as it speaks yes. about, uh, <laughs> you know, chefs that are on like the top tier, like winning every star they can for their restaurant, um, just prestigious, you know, they're introducing ideas to the world that are like, you know, farm to table, or, you know, local sourcing of ingredients, that kind of thing. And the way that it's become apparent to me that there's sort of this, um, you know, through that introduction and more awareness, then, you know, some more people start to buy those things and then those ingredients become cheaper and more available. And suddenly it's kind of made its way into more local restaurants, for example, things that people can afford. And it's funny as I'm listening to you speak about, you know, sort of the the changing the work environment in the arts. Uh, I do find that when regional theaters are able to set that example, you know, that can hopefully trickle down to some of the more local, smaller theaters, like make it a normal practice. So I love that. Anyway, that was a long tangent, <laughs> but <laughs> um, I do, I love that um, you talk about this like spark that you have um, with the, um, it's not so much about like the exciting call that you make anymore versus, um, you know, changing the game a little bit. Um, did you find that, uh, you know, you spoke about having kids and, you know, deciding to work while you had a family. Um, there's a point where it seems like 
getting paid and making sure what's what's right for your family becomes more important than your arts career. How was that balance for you? Uh, yeah, I, I, again, I've been sort of really privileged about this because I have a, I have a, a husband who is in the theater, uh, was his technical director and, uh, but then shifted to, um, a little more, uh, secure and better paying work still in the industry, but, uh, uh, rigging and, and consulting and engineer work. Um, so that, um, we've been able to make this, I was able to stay home. We made some, a lot of sacrifices to do that. Uh, and then suddenly when it was time to come back, there is like, I need to uh, pay for college. We need to pay for college. We need to pay for college. Uh, so that's, is a consideration. Uh, so, you know, uh, I certainly, when the Guthrie asked me to wor work, yeah, I think about that because I'm gonna get, absolutely. Um, and also the thing that I've, I haven't, I mean, I, I've toured with the illusion with, you know, loading the props into my van, you know, at the same time I was doing shows with the Guthrie, you know, because I've had equally wonderful and rewarding experiences at, at those kinds of places. Um, uh, but so how do you do both and how do you, and that's what I did for a long time, trying to balance out those things. And then when I committed to an organization, I committed to an organization where I felt like I, where I could actually hire and be, and make change at that level. Mm -hmm. um, and I will, you know, I, I, when I think about great theater experiences, I've, I, I can talk about amazing ones I've had at the Guthrie and at the Illusion and at the Alley Theater you know, I mean, it's like, it's not the size of the theater, right? It's the, right. Yeah. It's the work. So how in the perfect world, you're balancing all of those out. I don't know. I, I, I also get on a little roll about, the, about <laughs> it. And then you kind of, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a uh, inertia, you know, that you kind of start going. Yeah. Um, and then you also have to be willing to take risks. And it's like, I left the Guthrie. I said, I'm sorry, you can't give me, I left in the middle of a season and said, I'm going to go to Texas and do this amazing, weird show. And I'm going to lose. And then they felt bad that I had to give up my contract. So they offered me a second show. So I had six months of work in in Texas. My husband was here. I did this before kids. But I mean, to take those risks and do those things. Um, yeah. That's the, yeah. 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 Do you, do you ever have a mentor of any sort? Uh, that has like helped you along with your career or somebody that you feel you can talk to about this crazy stage management journey that you're on? Oh my gosh, yes. Uh, I, this equity stage manager who first met early on, uh, Kim, Kim Kersley, and she had she was 18 and she toured in the first touring production of Hair uh, as oh. a sta assistant stage manager. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so there were th three stage managers I really worked with closely grow, you know, growing up in the in the business and um they're definitely my mentors and i could call them and talk to them um and now i still have mentors i mean i talk about having coming back from like technology yes <laughs> you know I, when i think about what i learned from the my fellow stage managers was like and you know yeah i i, I still can't, i mean it's still uncomfortable for me to have a laptop in front of me at a table because it's we are the we are the audience for what's happening in that room our attention should be on what's happening what those actors are doing not our screen. Um, and 
as the state, I mean, I, I always assist that one person at the table is observing. Like if you're going to, if as a stage manager, you need to be doing something, then you want the ASM to be fully attuned to the stage. Because if I'm an actor, the idea of just watching people not watching you is just, I think, a horrible thing, right? Yeah. Um, so I've had a lot of uh, mentors uh, who are younger people who are, who are showing me uh, how to work uh, smarter and not harder. Um, you know, I've had a lot of, uh, I have a dear mentor friend, uh, Jenny friend, um, who just, uh, in our shared experiences, uh, really is she's a huge support for me. Um, uh, yeah, I can't say enough about that. I think I'm constantly learning from other stage managers. Yeah. Yeah. I love it's funny. You're the stage manager. Go ahead. Say that one more time. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, no, no. I, I was just going to say, um, it's funny listening to Year of the Stage Manager and looking at everything and people, and it's so focused on, uh, well, I can say this now, sort of technique and, and, and the jokes about, you know, I put a spreadsheet for this and I did this. And that's like, to me, nothing about stage management. I mean, that's what we do. Those are tools of, those are tools of stage management. They're not why I stage manage. Um, and I'm not the most organized stage manager. I mean, I will say that. I mean, I, I, my, I used to, I mean, I'm able to keep a lot of my head, so I didn't have to be as organized. And I'm fa I was fast. I'm not so fast anymore. You know, I, I, and as you get older and your, your skills shift in what you, what you're good at and you know that, mm -hmm. um, it's funny. Yeah. Do you find that the practice has changed a lot over the time that you have been stage managing or has it? more or less stayed the same with just some extra bells and whistles? Um, I think that when you're working at, uh, a, because of the extra bells and whistles, uh, the, uh, the, de the, the detail of information that is asked for at a larger theater is r remarkable. Hmm. way more than in the past and in the past we'd sort of like okay a lot of things we're going to discover in the moment and there's almost people don't want to discover anything in the moment anymore mm -hmm. uh and stage managers want to be so prepared that they're writing things down you're like no and like you have to be able to hold we're either going to do this or this in your head in your book in your head and your everything and I, there's a lot of stage managers who like well what are, what are we doing it's like well i don't know what we're doing we'll figure it out we'll be there later there's you've got to have some of that um yeah. And when people are trying to fill out these spreadsheets, you know, as you're going along the day that tracks everything, I'm like, well, I don't know, maybe it's going to bring it, maybe they're not. Well, they brought it last time. Okay, well, you know, I don't know. I'm not going to stop the rehearsal and ask them, you know, are you going to take that off stage? I'm just not going to do that. <laughs> so, uh, so some of that has changed in that, um, you know, I, I would say to young stage manager, I said, you know, if you um, can make the most slick a spreadsheet, if you uh, love making sure that uh, there's every typo is is corrected that there is um, the flow to the work day that's you know beautifully done if you're uh, really to solve every problem on the schedule or on the preset is fabulous but unless you love sitting in a room and talking about theater you can go do something else with those skills it's really important that those skills aren't just about stage management. You can do a lot of, but if you, if, if you find sitting in the room really boring, which I know a lot of stage managers do, then I don't know why we're doing it. Then I don't know why you're doing this. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And not to say that I, I could be bored in a room, but, but I mean, ultimately I enjoy it. Yeah. 
from the beginning of the pre-production process to, you know, closing night and post-production, is there a favorite part of the process for you? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) there's this this video that that Guthrie did for me of me and my friend who shot it, I'm like, you included the horrible, the, the horrible opening of me saying how what I love about stage management is just when you get sick of the first one thing, you move to the next. <laughs> so like, you're like, oh, first day of rehearsal, all I want to go is, oh, this is so exciting. Yeah, we're getting, everybody's here. We're, we're, oh, we're in the room. We're discovering. We're having, we've run this play five times. Can't we just get on stage? Let's just go on stage. We're on stage. The costumes are here. My gosh, this is fabulous. By second preview, you're like, oh my gosh, get the director out of here. If we change one more thing, I'm going to be so angry. You open the play. You're like, this is the best. I'm st- I, this is so exciting. We're watching it grow. We see all those changes. It's so ex- very exciting. And look at the, what they're doing this moment. And by the third week in the run, you're like, are we done? Is this thing over yet? Are we closed? <laughs> so it's always, it's the, it's the process of it. It's always the next thing you love. You know, like the next moment of it that is your favorite part. um if you are able i would love to um i know this this year has been super strange for every single everybody who works in this industry um and i i am vaguely aware of um some community work that's going on as well um and i was just wondering if you had anything that you um about this particular year that you um, would be willing to share with us. Is there any community work that you're doing? Is it like, other than you, you mentioned that you're working at the illusion. Um, what are you doing with this year? How are you changing, growing? Um, it's really interesting because I, uh, uh, um, I found that when the pandemic first hit, I had no idea how burned out I was. I guess I did, but I, I was really kind of burning out. Um, and I was doing three shows this season, kind of back to back. Although I did, I had a month off or a month and a half off between uh, when I was just in rehearsals. And I was in rehearsals when we came down. So for me, the initial uh, month was a gift. Yeah. I, I really felt um, that I, fi- and I had both my children at home, back from school and uh, it was a huge gift for me to like spend time at my home, to engage with my family, to really in a real way, um, have my nights off. Because even when I was PSM, I might not be doing a show, but I would be in text with the other show, just, you know, as support and stuff. So I really needed that. Um, then uh, the murder of George Floyd um happen and uh i became somewhat engaged we we we're little high risk issues here in our house so i was very careful um but i ended up uh, doing some work around that um and my own kind of uh you know educational as we all started getting on zoom and trying to you know uh, watch webinars etc um and technically i was still working at the guthrie till june um, so we were still doing check-ins and some, you know, computer work, not a lot, but, um, uh, they eliminated my position in June. So that position has been eliminated now. Um, yeah. so I did those kind of classes and things through the, the Guthrie as well, some EDI training, et cetera. Uh, and then I kind of really, uh, engaged in my home in a way that I haven't in a lot of times, hence I'm getting my floors done and we have a new <laughs> patio and, uh, and then I did some. 
uh, teaching uh, for the uh, the Guthrie's uh, education program by, via Zoom in the in the fall as well. And then I ran into Bonnie uh, at a performance of. Um, a breath for George Floyd, Bonnie from The Illusion, sitting next to her and she says, hey, we have a couple of Zoom shows if you want to stage manage them. So I did these Zoom shows for them. And then she says, and, you know, we need someone to organize our move. So now I'm, was, I was so excited to have the holidays off. Like, I'm going to have the, I've done Christmas Carol or another Christmas show for like, for, yeah. I'm so excited. And I was still working, <laughs> Not <laughs> nice, but still working. So that's what I've been doing. Yeah. Um, and I think unlike, I, I have a, a tradition I have called Coffee on the Porch, um, which is, uh, I ran late this year. It usually goes from like uh, when school's out till school starts. Uh, and every Friday morning from 8.30 to 10.30 in the morning, I put out a thermos of coffee and a bunch of mugs and whoever shows up, shows up. And I don't clean, I don't cook. That's like the thing. There's it, This is like no baggage. Anyone can just come and just talk and whatever. Uh, so I extended that and it really kept this idea and we did it. It's outside. We were masked and it really, um, kept the, uh, and I, we went into the end of September, I guess, hmm. in, in, in October actually. And it was this fabulous connection that we were able to have, uh, with my neighbors, with people in the theater from any people would stop by and, and just engage outside. Yeah. Oh, that's lovely. That's great. Yeah. Um, did you have any other um, engagements with the local stage managers and with the local equity union, anything like that going on? You know, I'm not heavily, I, oh, I work with Talc, uh, which is, that's kind of where I've been engaged and I've been doing some yeah. other side work with that on, with uh, Jenny. I'm, I have not been very present. I'm not a real presence in the union and I don't know why. Yeah. Uh, it's just one of those things I have never really super engaged with. Um, you know, I kind of have stayed close to the stage managers that I felt um, that Guthrie stage manager who I was employing. And I felt like even then after I wasn't employed, like trying to keep them informed and to engage and everything. So I've kind of been connected through there, uh, you know, some coffees and things like that. Um, but it's very casual. It's not, not in any formal formalized way. Yeah. It's so interesting to me to, you know, stage managers and other design folks as well. We can just become these little islands and like never really know each other or interact or, or cross paths. But I've, I feel like I've seen a lot of people interacting more so this year than they ever have before. Um, I would also, if you're comfortable talking about it, I'd love to hear what it's like to be um, a female in your field. What is, is there anything where you feel like you've had a leg up or that you've really struggled with um, uh, certain situations or attitudes in yeah. the area? Yeah. Um, it's funny. I always say the first stage manager I worked with, who I said who toured with hair, uh, taught me how to be a female and be a stage manager. Yeah. Um, I think she really had a, a woman's approach to it, which was really, I didn't know any better. That's just the stage manager I knew. And so uh, I think that it's very interesting, even today, when I still think about today, that uh, men uh, are only, the only men I ever work with are in theaters that pay a lot of money. Um, and stage managers. Yeah. Uh, I think as a woman, uh, the and of my generation, 
Um, I certainly grew up in a place with very uh, uh, patriarchal setups, and I knew how to work in those. I worked them. Um, I was given a lot of encouragement. Um, I was uh, I was known I was the stage manager who worked with the screaming men. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in ways that would never ever that doesn't doesn't pass anymore. Uh, but I was the person they didn't scream at. Uh, and I, I don't, I didn't come from that family. I didn't come from that. So I don't know why, but I somehow, I always felt like it was about them and not me. Even if they screamed at me, it was never. And then once you said, uh, oh, I'm so sorry, I'll fix that. And you didn't get upset. I can tell four different occasions where those directors then came back and apologized to me because, you know, they had been crazy. Yeah. Um, but, but when I, re- when I didn't take it as something that was about me, but I also, so it ta- it's taken me this time to understand, uh, as we have these huge change, sea change in, in our expectations and, and what abusive behavior is, um, to understand this, to really, I mean, I, I, because I, um, I always thought it was them being jerks. It wasn't about me. And then they treated me well. So I will say very honestly, I, I know I've enabled directors uh, because I was able to work with them, even though that they would then do it to somebody else. Hmm. And I could probably say to them, oh, I sometimes said to them, or if I had a relationship, said to them something, but it doesn't change. It doesn't change who they are. Um, I also say that they only listen to me to a certain point, as long as I'm being a stage manager uh, I think I've always had a voice. If I ever try and stray out of that in any way, then I'm dismissed hmm. by men. Mm-hmm. I also will say, as I said this to somebody else, sometimes the toughest relationships I've had in the theater are with female directors who, like I said, that I think I learned how to be a female director. I think these are, these are women who um, have been forced to play by these rules, these men's rules, mm-hmm. and be um, overly, um, you know, could be emotionally abusive as well. And their expectations are so high because there is so much at stake for them uh, that some of the worst uh, relationships I've had with directors have been women. Mm. Not all of them, but a couple of, and, and, I, and, and I wouldn't say the majority, the majority of women have been great, but some of the worst uh, times I've had have been with women who were a bit abusive. Yeah. Um, I just had, a, I just spoke to this one uh, young woman who is doing her thesis on gender roles and stage management. Um, and she wrote an amazing, really interesting piece uh, recently. So, and she's going to continue this work. It's her, she did as her sophomore thesis and she's going to continue it on, but hopefully publish. So it was kind of a fascinating discussion as well with her. And I know this idea about, uh, that's been repeated in a couple of, of other people she interviewed. So it was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel that the scene is changing now that there's sort of more awareness of what it means to be abusive and that's not okay, that sort of thing? Or is it still sort of like a slow moving thing in your perspective? No. Oh, it's definitely not okay. I feel, I feel that you could, we have an ability to call it out now. Um, I don't know if that's the same everywhere. I don't know if that's still the same in New York. Sure. Um, But certainly, uh, I mean, as a, 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 you know, even within the last, I don't know, 
five years, we've had sort of really crazy abusive directors still around. But mm -hmm. we have the ability to call them out now. And I think like working with Talc Sanders always was so important to me to help out, uh, to continue work with that is for the same reason that um, we have to have a shared expectations about what we think. Um, and, and it came from this whole, you know, when I was talking about the auteur, this idea that the art is bigger than anything, that the, that this, that's how the, sort of the seventies um, and eighties idea of these, you know, artists. Um, and that when things got in the way of their art, you know, that uh, they were allowed to be the same. It was okay that they were, you know, uh, and we, we all know that that's, I think we can all agree that that's not true anymore. So it's a lot right. easier to pull that out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, if you, we talked earlier a little bit about like, if you were to give advice to younger folks, um, you know, and networking and that sort of thing, but is, if you were to, you know, speak to somebody who is um, looking at getting into this industry, what would you like to tell them? I think that uh, I kind of we sort of talked about it earlier. Every every opportunity we have to work, we have an opportunity to, to explore. I, it's it's one of the few professions where you really get to just be in a room and talk about ideas. Mm -hmm. um, and if that doesn't interest you, if your interest is more about the organizational part of it, you're going to be bored at some point. Like I don't know how long. So I think that um, I also I'm not sure what I think about some of the. Uh, undergraduate training for stage management or, or the the intensiveness of it. I think what we need to learn is how to learn, um, which is hopefully what a college education would give you, and that there's a really great way to like learn stage management without making it into a conservatory. Mm -hmm. That it's really important to learn how to learn, to have broad knowledge and interest and be curious, um, and that will make you a great stage manager. Because if you're curious, like how do you, spur your own curiosity, be curious about people, uh, ideas. Um, and that's what I miss about being in a room. I miss the creativity, the people who, the, the people I'm in a room with usually inspire me to think better and think bigger and think more expansively about things. Um, yeah, to figure it out and to be creative about solutions and to collaborate. Yeah. Um, I've sort of gotten through my short list of questions that I want to ask you, but what, what is it about your experience? Um, is there anything that you'd like to share that we haven't touched on? Um, huh. You know, I will say we talk about, uh, am, am I, uh, where I'm at in my career? Hmm. Um, there is a time when, you know, nights and weekends become really old. <laughs> Yeah. And it's like, it's a scale, it's a tipping scale. Um, and slowly, I'm slowly getting to that point where uh, the nights and weekends, I'm just not interested in doing them the way I used to be. Uh, and if I had to talk about what I would, what would my next challenge be? That's kind of where like stage management and producing are kind of melding. I mean, that's kind of the, like m making that something that's more in that producing realm mm -hmm. than. Um, uh, but I think that it's important for people who are going to be in this profession for the long haul to understand how our, our talents and our skills evolve and change and shift over time. Um, I think that, I mean, I'm not, uh, I'm not the stage manager I was 
when I was 24. And I know the things that I can't do as well as I did then, but I know what I'm doing way better than I was able to do then. And I understand. I, I Here's an example is I talk about the one thing I really grew in when I came back from um, maternity leave was my ability to give notes to actors. Hmm. Uh, and it was this confidence in being a human being and really um, having a dialogue with an actor about what they what the work was about. And it was a confidence level. And and it goes, uh, when I first, my son was born, and I remember he was four months old, and I'm sitting with him in the front of my house. And there was a woman who just had, a, who was pregnant across the street, and she just moved in. And I didn't know how to engage with her because I didn't have anything to offer her. Like, as a stage manager, I, I can easily greet people because I, what can I do for you? How can I help you? And it took me three years to figure out how to, that I was worthy enough as a human being not to feel like I needed to bring something to them. So the stage manager, I came back as Trio Haller and the human being who happens to be, who happens to stage manage plays, is different than the stage manager who left to have babies who was a stage manager who is now having a baby. And that growth there changed my ability to engage with people in the work. Mm. So I think like when people are to talk, uh, like the year of the stage manager, when it was talking about, it, it felt so stage centric. It got that for me. Um, when I, I wanted to say, go out and learn to knit, you know, <laughs> don't like, instead of taking <laughs> classes in whatever, you know, I mean, Go paint. Go, uh, I, I, you know, I, I felt like here's your opportunity to expand your humanness. And I'm not good at that. I'm not good at hobbies. I'm not good at that. And and that's stage management was it all in. Um, even now, it's not that stage management is. I now I have too many friends who are not in the theater. I have a community and a neighborhood and cook and this and that. But uh, it's made me a better stage manager. And, or I think it's made me a better stage manager, although the young stage managers say, well, uh, they're late. You should be telling them they're, I'm like, you know what? They're, she's got three kids. She's two minutes late. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to get on her for being two minutes late. You know, did we stop the day? Did anyone know besides us? No, you know, we weren't waiting for, you know what I mean? So that it's changed my perspe pers perspective about how I'm in the room. It seems like it, uh, just ascertaining from what, you're saying it seems like you feel like you understand humans in general more <laughs> which uh gives you the ability to communicate and manage them maybe with a little more compassion maybe Absolutely. i don't know well more compassion for myself yes <laughs> yes you know Absolutely. i've never been good about i've never been the hard-ass stage manager who's you know like ever but um but also I think the idea to advocate for people more and give myself a break and that, you know, the difference, right? We all say the difference between a good stage manager and a great stage manager is you both make a mistake and the, the good stage manager says, oh my gosh, what did I do? And the great stage manager says, oh, well, there we go. Moving on. You know, yeah. you move on. Um, that would be also some advice for young stage managers. Perfectionism is a white supremacist, <laughs> white supremacy. You know. Definitely. Time management and perfectionism. Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It's not that the problem happened. It's that uh, how you deal with the problem. Absolutely. And the ability to move forward. Like if you, yeah, you can't call a show if you flip out because you blew one cue. Then you're, then you're just 
there you go. You've ruined the rest <laughs> of your show. I mean, that's a perfect example. Everyone knows you have to just kind of keep going. Move on. Same Move thing on. with absolutely any kind of, you know. Um, and I, you know, I talk about those times uh, when I was, uh, had state, had some directors kind of ride me pretty hard in front of a company. And it's when I could turn around and say, you are absolutely right. I completely screwed that up. And that's when that director had to like, uh, uh, well, uh, I'm sorry, maybe, maybe I should have told you I wanted, you know, like really in front of a company had to come back um, in that ability to be able to say, I made the mistake. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like a Brene Brown concept to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, vulnerability begets vulnerability, yes. but maybe that's... Exactly. <laughs> Anyway, uh, I could go on about that for ages, but um, great. Well, um, thank you so much for sitting down and chatting with me. Um, for me as a stage manager, it's so fun to hear uh, the stories of other stage managers and, you know, from somebody, you know, opening up this podcast here and learning more about people in the Twin Cities, um, just like seeing all these, spotlighting each of these community members has been, it's what a pool of people we have here. It's fabulous. Yay. Yeah. Thank you. I, the problem with this, I can't sit here and ask you the same questions back. <laughs> Maybe another day. <laughs> all right. Um, we'll, have to, we'll, do, we'll do coffee after all this. is. Yeah, sure. I'll come up for one of your, your coffee on the porches or something. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for this episode of We Shadows. If you enjoyed it, please recommend it to your friends, colleagues, and students. If you loved it, like us on Facebook and please hit the follow or subscribe button on your chosen podcast platform. We Shadows was created by Liesa Behrens, Rachel Lanto, and Anita Kelling. It was recorded over Zencaster and produced by Anita Kelling. Our theme music was composed and performed by J. William Kelsch. We Shadows can be found wherever you search for your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in this week, and be sure to check us out every Wednesday for new episodes.